she just she just shared with me she's like you know not that i didn't believe you but i didn't believe you <laughs> it's, it's probably how she put it and maybe with a little bit of an expletive to go along with it and then she gave me some cookies welcome to retire smarter with kevin krosky find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world it's time to retire smarter Glad you're with us for another Retire Smarter. Walter Sorholt here alongside Kevin Krosky. This is the podcast that's going to help you learn a little bit about the financial world and how you can better prepare yourself for your financial and retirement future. Kevin is the president and wealth advisor at True Wealth Design, serving Northeast Ohio and Southwest Florida. You can find us online by going to truewealthdesign.com. Subscription links to your favorite podcast apps are there, and you can listen to past episodes of the show and get lots of great information as well. Kevin, excited to do another show with you today. How you been? Uh, we've been great. Family's good. Kids uh, are been going to the pool. Our, our near two-year-old now, Cameron, seems like I, I often mention my older daughter, Aubrey, but Cameron uh, is just a little spitfire. So uh, daddy likes to take uh, the girls over the pool. Mommy is um, the kind of stereotypical gender role, more the protector and what have you. And daddy's pushing the girls to take risks. So, so mommy wasn't around and daddy was at the pool with the girls. And of course, little little Cam wants to be like big sister Aubrey. And Aubrey was running and, and doing cannonballs into the pool. And so Cameron, Cameron's got her little uh, floaty on and, and not really running, more like a, I think, remember, Walter, this is before your time, but I think you probably have seen this movie, but Ghostbusters and the Stay Puff, oh, sure. Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah, yeah. So when he's like kind of coming through the city, so she's got this, you know, kind of puddle jumper on just to keep her floating. And she's like trying to run and it looks like a little mini version of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. And she's like, not really jumping, but kind of just like more like a timbering effect into the pool. But nonetheless, she this was the first time she went completely underwater. And so she comes up. She's like, you know, oh, my gosh. <laughs> just like with fear and amazement and like, what the heck just happened? And then there's just absolute silence. And I'm just waiting. I'm like, OK, is it going to be a screaming cry, a regular cry or something different? And then she just says, more <laughs> more <laughs> and that's cameron uh, aubrey is definitely a little bit more kind of cautious she's an absolute sweetheart cameron seems to be very comfortable with risk <laughs> so she's she's keeping me on my toes and good thing mommy wasn't there because mommy probably would have had a conniption if she saw it it's got to be something with uh the second child that is just a you know kind of a wrecking ball like that because i know several you know, two pairs of kids, uh, siblings, brother, sister, or, you know, brother, brother, sister, sister, that are the same way, where the first one is much more like calm, proper, you know, just sort of like normal. And then the second one is just insane. And I mean that in the best of terms and in the best of ways, but they're just like little wrecking balls, fearless, you know, they run into a pole at full speed and then just smile afterward. Like, let's do that again. That was fun. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, you know, there's, um, I can't remember the guy that the psychologist that studied the birth order theory, but I am, and I, maybe I shouldn't even speak on this because I, I don't, I, I don't know if there was a lot of validity to it. There's the theory, but I think it was, I don't know. Uh, I don't know is kind of the short answer, but you know, certainly there's that birth order theory that's at least out there. I think it was done in the seventies, sixties or seventies or something like that. But, um, it's always interesting to me to, to look at just the kids of, you know, Hey, they got the same DNA, but they are so darn different. And it's pretty interesting when you see that happen. 
Yeah, it really is. It's definitely very true. As uh, both of my parents are from four sibling families, and then I'm an only child. So it's been interesting to kind of compare what their childhoods and lives have been like compared to now mine as an only child. And, you know, seeing how it's just interesting how they had grew up with that and how different it was for me not having a brother or sister growing up with and all the differences between everybody. Always an interesting thing. You can find anecdotes to support or, you know, dispute those claims just like with anything. But fun to share those stories for sure. Well, I think today's show is going to be really fun. We do this every once in a while, Kevin. We basically just have what we kind of call a uh, a case study show or a, a story show, if we want to just make it really simple, where we kind of really get taken inside the planning process with a real-life example of somebody that you've worked with in the past or you know, maybe even just recently. And I understand that today's story is about uh, someone who kind of wanted to be featured on the show. It was sort of a goal. So it's it's a lifelong dream coming true here on the show. <laughs> I don't know about a lifelong dream, but uh, yes, she did mention, you know, that one, she would like to be kind of profiled in a way, um, but also that, and she's provided perspective that, hey, just make sure that the stories are relatable. You know, certainly we have some clients with, you know, bigger bank accounts than others. And maybe sometimes people feel like a, you know, if we talk about somebody and it's not what they perceive to be kind of a similar scale, that maybe it's not as relatable. With that being said, there's still a lot of commonality, whether you're planning with somebody that has, you know, a half a million dollars or $5 million, certainly there's a, a zero added to the end of one of those. But her story is, one, she's just an absolute fantastic person. And uh, two, she also brought me with a plate of cookies, so I, I couldn't say no to that. <laughs> Her cookies are darn good. But she did, uh, and I, th- I think I have to make a very important point up front, she did say that when you tell my story, just make sure you tell everybody that I'm six foot tall and blonde. So so she's six foot tall and blonde. Yeah. <laughs> we have a good mental image now. Okay, got it. Yes. And uh, let's see, I don't know what we'll call her. We'll call her Raquel. Okay, so we'll, we'll kind of snazz it up a little bit. Is she I a rocket in, in this former yeah. life? Um, <laughs> no, she, uh, so she's, uh, she was a very, very hardworking lady. She's uh, just personality bigger than life and uh, just a fantastic human being all the way around. I think we started, we started working together in 2014 and uh, she had a financial person before we started working together. But, you know, as we started working together, it was really just somebody had sold her some investments and certainly the person may have been nice and, and well-intentioned, but she really wasn't getting any sort of planning. And uh, she was 55 at the time and she uh, was, I would say that she liked her work, but she hated her job. And so she liked her work. She liked the people that she worked with. She liked uh, the customers that she worked with. She hated her job. The company wasn't, uh, I guess, well run. It was what maybe she would say. Her boss was, well, she has a very colorful mouth. So I, I don't know if I can say some of the things that she may say, but she wasn't exactly happy there. And I remember I moved in from Pennsylvania to Northeast Ohio in 98. And uh, I had a job where I drove from Akron to the Beachwood area, which is also the drive that, that she made. And I had a, I don't know, it was probably 99 or 2000 that I was making that commute. And so, you know, 20 years ago, 
And there was this Interstate 271 that I remember sitting in traffic and it was under construction 20 years ago when I was making that drive. And you know that damn road is still under <laughs> construction today. It's like the perpetual employment for Ohio Department of Transportation or something. I'm not sure what's going on, but literally, I mean, it's just the commute is ridiculous and the traffic is ridiculous. And uh, though she liked her work, she just hated her job and didn't like uh, the management and the way that the company was going, what have you. So... She had some investments. She had always lived below her means, done you know really well in terms of saving and her 401k, had money going into Roth IRA, even had, uh, was maxing those out and even had some money in an individual account in her own name. And so Raquel, six foot tall, blonde Raquel was doing quite well uh, in a lot of ways. And she just, you know, you get in that grind and you're making that commute and you know she's a hard worker and you kind of just get on a treadmill in a way and it's just habit and i don't think she had really taken the time to seriously consider retiring it was more like a a far off dream just didn't really think it was possible you know she's only 55 you know her mom's uh, still around and getting up there in age and so obviously you got to make your your money last long and at least as long as you do and I'm not sure what, I can't remember back to what caused her to to reach out to us, but she was referred to us by another friend. And once we did start working together, putting a plan together, we took a look at it and I said, look, you know, you're 55 now, it's mid 2014, uh, late 2014. I said, you're probably going to be able to retire in 2016 or so. You're not, you're, you're pretty close. And it was really, I would say disbelief at first. You know, here she is 55, probably just feeling the grind on a daily, weekly basis. And I don't think she, she wasn't expecting that for sure. And it, maybe it wasn't so noticeable, but after the fact, I think it was probably a year or two later, you know, she just, she just shared with me. She's like, you know, not that I didn't believe you, but I didn't believe you. <laughs> it's, it's probably how she put it. And maybe with a little bit of an expletive to go along with it. And then she gave me some cookies. And so, which made it all better. But it took a while and it's, that's, that's very common when you, I can think of several different circumstances over the years where we looked at somebody's plan and, and initially after starting to work with them and were able to clearly show and feel confident in saying that, Hey, you could, you can go ahead and retire. And it's like, they hadn't really thought that was possible and it just takes a while to process that. And while initially can be like a really good thing, like, hey, I'm financially independent, I'm working because I want to, not because I have to, then it can become a, well, holy crap, what am I going to do? And what is this really going to look like? Not only if my finances are okay, that's great, but you know, what am I going to do day to day? At first, it's maybe kind of, um, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. But if you really start thinking about it, which we always try to press people to do, you know, what are you going to be doing when you wake up on a Monday morning and you look at your day planner and it's completely blank for the week? And in fact, it's blank for all the weeks of the year. How are you going to fill your time and make sure that you feel productive and are happy with the life that you're leading? And you know, make sure that you're just not watching TV all day or something of the sort. So, you know, there's certainly that that softer side to it. And I think in Raquel's case, six foot tall blonde Raquel, I think that was certainly true. You know, you're making this long commute. You got a tough job that you you're a hard worker and you really kind of care about the people that you're your clients that you're working with. But it's a grind and it's a grind every day. And then you come home on the weekend and you're just trying to you know, keep the house up, do your grocery shopping, pay your bills. And then it's like, before you know it, Monday's back around. So when do you really have time to really pause and think about the future? So, you know, I get it. And I think that's, that's very 
very common for, for many people. But it was, so that was 2014. You know, we started working together and ongoing after that. And she let her former financial person know that she was going in a different direction. And, you know, we started doing her planning every year. We were helping her with her 401k and, and you know, managing her assets that were in her Roth and individual account, doing her taxes each year. And, you know, it just, it took a while for, I think, for it to really set in that, hey, you know, we not only move past the d- disbelief, I would say, and get it to know that, hey, I mean, not only is it possible, but here are some of the things that I really do like doing. You know, I really like going out with my friends and doing these different activities and, you know, I'll be able to do more of that. And for her, you know, she, her mom's still around and her mom's getting older and she wanted to make sure that she was there with mom and to help mom and, you know, just be there for her family. And she wanted to, you know, just do some things that, uh, on her own time, you know, do some gardening, do some more baking, which we've been the happy benefactors of. And, uh, so it just really became a reality about, you know, what this could be. And then just kind of, I guess, trusting the process and us building our relationship and, and trust together. I mean, yes, she had been referred to us, but you know, trust is built over time. And uh, even though the, we had a strong referral from somebody that she knew and respected and trusted, our relationship was newer. And so we were building that relationship and building and earning that trust and just really, you know, showing her why we were saying what we were saying about her being able to retire. And it just, it was a process. And, and as most relationships are, they, they grow over time. And, uh, and this one was no different. But Raquel ended up retiring not in 2016. Um, she pushed it back just to kind of play it on the safe side, but she retired in 2017. So she was only in her, in her late fifties by the time that she retired. And, uh, in today's day and age when pensions aren't, are no more, or maybe a fraction of what they were. And, and she didn't have a pension that she could rely on. It was really social security and the, the assets that she had accumulated over time to be able to retire in your fifties and have the confidence to do it is quite an astounding feat. I think for most people would say the same. And again, she lived below her means. She did some fun things, but she wasn't a spendthrift by any means. She's very prudent with uh, kind of how she spent and, and tracking her dollars spent. And and she did track her dollars. And for us, it was, it was helpful in her planning process to have those figures. One of the things that's interesting about Raquel is, uh, you know, each year that we always you know, are updating the planning and We'll project like, hey, this is how much you're you're we're projected to spend this year on these different goals. You know, here's the kind of the core expense that's in your needs bucket. Here's how much you're going to about spend on travel. You know, you, you don't need another car purchase for a few years, so on and so forth. Here's healthcare. But we just I kept consistently finding that um, she wasn't spending as much as was in the plan. And I don't, it was probably maybe four years after we started working together. She's like, well, Kevin, I got to tell you something. And I said, what is a Raquel? And she said, I bullshitted you. (laughs) And and I said, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, she's like, I just kind of padded my expenses when I gave them to you. So each year when you keep asking me, hey, you know, how come you didn't spend as much money? I just kind of inflated the expenses up front because I just wanted to have a little bit more of my own safety margin in there. (laughs) That's awesome. So one, I'm not and encouraging people to- And then followed it up to, with, here, have a cookie. <laughs> yeah, have a cookie. She gives bad news face. or curses people out and then gives them a cookie after. I love that visual and that strategy. Of like, I can't believe you. Go to, you know it's, where. It's, here, have a cookie. A, <laughs> it's a very effective strategy when the cookies are as good as, as what hers are. 
So one, I don't recommend you know doing that. What if you at least if you have confidence in your advisor? Maybe you shouldn't have confidence in me at first. Again, the relationship is built over time. I'm not sure. But um, some, we some people just a, like lots of buffer, and so right. Well, so buffer is just, good, but yeah. the thing. Yeah, I'm sorry, Walter. I didn't talk. No, I'm just either. saying. Sometimes that's that's just a personality trait, right? And so that's part of the defense mechanism, maybe in a way. Yes, but I guess here's the other thing. So we're certainly not going to lead with the chin in terms of telling somebody to retire when they really can't financially with a high degree of confidence that they're going to be okay. And again, we'll make that very clear to them. But by design, if we're going to be somewhat, I think you always have to lean on the conservative side in general when you're doing this. I mean, when you look at, well, what's the risk if we're too aggressive with you know, maybe our return assumption is something. Well, you run out of money. <laughs> well, okay, that that's not good. Let's not do that. So you, you certainly want to be on the more conservative side to begin with. But if we're taking that approach by nature in the planning work that we do, and then the client's doing it as well, one, we're at least informed about kind of our buffer and um, our sort of approach and, and know what we're doing there. The client who's not a financial advisor doesn't know what ramifications you know their sort of buffer may or may not have. So, I think a better way to do it would just to be like, hey, you know, let's walk it through. But this is your plan. If you feel more comfortable having more of a buffer in the plan, let's have an open conversation about that and then factor that in. So we're both on the same page. I would, <laughs> and everything is fine uh, with Raquel. Uh, everything is working out, you know, really well. But frankly, if you're being re- conservative by nature from an advisory standpoint and then the clients kind of buffering in some conservative you know spending or or maybe not fully disclosing some assets or something like that now you have frankly a completely different retirement plan you know they're going to probably have to spend even less than what they could or work later so it's just better to be transparent i think in any relationship for that matter and just be on the same page and then you can say okay well here's my concern we can talk about that concern and then we can you know, describe why or why not. It's maybe valid. And even if, in our opinion, it's not valid, it's their plan. So then let's just go ahead and build in that buffer. But at least now that we're cognizant of it, it'll impact some other advice that we have. So I think that's an important thing to, to be mindful about. Tangentially, we have a couple clients, uh, I think of two, where they just their cash that they have on hand, they just don't want us to pick it up in the plan. I'm like, well, we at least kind of have to know for cash flow planning each year. But one client, I think, just just slipped up and uh, he actually disclosed what his current cash amount is. Well, we meet with him in about two weeks, and when I talk with him, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, we're gonna we've been working together 12 years now. It's just something that he's always done. He just really hasn't told us how much he has on cash, and he really hasn't needed cash in his portfolio either, even though he's in his 70s. But but I'm gonna joke with him. I'm like, are right, you're getting older here? You must be slipping up. You're telling us how much cash you have now are you sure you want to be doing that <laughs> but back to Raquel so she retired in 2017 late 50s and you know again she's I, I personally noticed uh, just a change in her demeanor I mean she's when, whenever you're going through that that hamster wheel and working and, and in a stressful position with a stressful commute and you know you're just playing catch up on the weekend to, to make sure that things are in order at, at home and in life and hopefully have some fun in between too. I mean, I get it. But then when she she left and retired, you can just see it. I mean, you can just see it in her disposition. I think she's just, she's just happier. And I can think of several other clients where the same has been true. And uh, I mean, it would be great if we all had jobs, not only that we loved uh, and work that we were passionate about, but 
frankly, for some people, maybe they had that, but maybe there was a shift and now it's just more of a means to an end. But regardless, in Raquel's case, I mean, she's been retired now for um, for nearly four years, going on four years. Initially, you know, she retired in her 50s. Some of the interesting aspects were that, you know, when you retire in your 50s and you don't have retiree medical coverage, there's several years that you have until you're eligible for Medicare at 65. And so that was a big concern for her coming into this. Like, hey, and it should be for anybody, quite frankly. You know, what's it going to cost? I've been accustomed to this employer-provided health insurance for all these years. Now, what am I going to do? And so we, we helped her navigate that. You know, we don't sell health insurance, but we have a couple people that we work with excuse me. And in her case, because she had pots of money in her 401k in the yet to be tax bucket, she had money in a Roth IRA, which is tax-free. And then she had money in uh, both the taxable account with cash at the bank, as well as uh, in taxable investments. We had a few different pockets to pull from and do so quite tax efficiently. So I just looked at her tax return that we did uh, for 2019 we were able to manage her distribution plan in a tax efficient way so that she got about a $77,600 tax credit for her health insurance. And um, we're kind of on the conservative side in the plan. We, you know, we think this tax credit has been around for the last few years, but who knows if legislation changes or something, or if it goes away, we kind of have it in the worst case in her financial plan, which she felt comfortable with. There's that kind of being more conservative as well, as I mentioned before, but in actuality, you know, <laughs> her cost is just a, a fraction, um, probably 10% of what it could be in the plan. So she's had some out-of-pocket costs, but when you get you know, $7,600 in a tax credit to go ahead and help defray the cost of health insurance before you get on to Medicare, that's quite a bit of money. And if you do that over, you know, if we just do that, say, for five years or so, now we're talking, you know, getting close to about $40,000 cumulative in terms of, of tax credits just by, just by, you know, hey, here's how much she's going to spend. It's not like we're underspending or not meeting her goals. We're just doing it in a very tax efficient way. We're taking some money, out of her 401k. In fact, in her case, because she retired before age 59 and a half, we left intentionally left some money in her 401k, set up a monthly distribution to do that, and then rolled an excess amount over to her IRA just to have more flexibility. And then we could, um, you know, in theory, better advise on it for her and manage it for her. But it was the, when you leave, uh, when you separate from service after the age of 55 and you have money in a 401k plan, there's an exception where the 10% penalty, if you take it out before age 59 and a half does not apply. So in this case, Raquel was in her late fifties, not yet 59 and a half. We left enough money intentionally in the 401k plan, chose very conservative investments, and then just set up a small monthly distribution to yield the total taxable amount of dollars that we were targeting to maximize her healthcare tax credit. And then what we did to go ahead and meet her additional spending goals, well, it's really a combination of, you know, taking money from her Roth, which was pretty sizable, and uh, from her individual account. And so, you know, each year we kind of have our tentative game plan that we're going into the new this new year with. And then in the fourth quarter each year, we go and make sure that um, everything is coming in as we like. With these tax credits, you know, if you go over you know, certain thresholds, you know, you're, you're losing the tax credit and it declines pretty quickly. So this is an area where precision matters a great deal. So we've been doing this, but when she gets down the road and she's, I should also mention that in her case, we're factoring in social security a little bit later. In fact, her plan is, um, is really starting at age 70. 
tentatively and most likely going to stay there. But once she hits 65 and is able to go on Medicare, then really the strategy is going to be different and it's going to flip to, well, hey, let's make sure that we're taking more out of the, you know, out of the IRA or 401k will be exhausted by this point, but taking more out of that yet to be taxed IRA, filling up, you know, that those lower tax brackets. We don't have to worry about keeping our income really low to maximize the healthcare tax credit, but now we're just going to want to make sure that we get more money out of the IRA because when she gets to that other inflection point of age 70 and social security starts the way that social security taxation uh, works uh, currently and has worked since like 1982 or 83 is the lower your income is the less taxable social security is going to be in kind of very very general language but if you think about it, it's almost like three distinct time periods here so she retires in her late 50s uh, so that point in time through 65 we just want to keep, we want to have some taxable income, but we want to keep it pretty low to go ahead and make sure that we can get that seven, $8,000 healthcare tax credit per year. She gets to be 65. Now Medicare is coming in. Now she's on a Medicare Advantage plan. Now we're realizing more taxable income because we, we can't get that healthcare tax credit any longer, but we're filling up the lower brackets. So this year would basically be filling up a 12% tax bracket and really all of her spending needs would be met with that by and large. So her Roth account keeps growing, her individual account keeps growing, her social security keeps being deferred. And then we reach that another inflection point at age 70. Now, uh, you know, she probably isn't really going to have to take much out of her IRA. We are certainly going to want to have some taxable income, but her social security is going to be quite sizable. You know, she worked for many years, had a pretty good healthy benefit. And oh, by the way, she deferred it. So she got those delayed retirement credits of increasing it each year up to a maximum of age 70. And that much higher social security benefit is really going to provide and meet all of the goals that she's going to have in the needs bucket. And I think whenever you have a dedicated income stream like Social Security, like a pension, and it's going to meet, you know, the primary goals that you have in your plan, one that's a very strong financial plan, very solid foundation. You don't really have to worry about investments and investment markets and any sort of uncertainty there in terms of meeting those needs. At worst, it's like, well, hey, if the investment assumptions aren't realized or something like that, you know, maybe it's just the more discretionary goals that are impacted anyway. And so this has been Raquel's plan. This is how we laid it out back in 2014. You know, here we are, you know, six, seven years later, she, we, she's come clean and fully disclosed that yes, she did in fact, uh, pad her expenses and, uh, and each year now, and I am going to be meeting with her tomorrow. Uh, but each year now I <laughs> true to form, we're projecting that she's going to need, or you're going to have a certain amount of money by the end of the year. And here we are mid year. And, uh, she was way, way behind in terms of, um, spending that amount of money that we have budgeted. So some of that's explained by the coronavirus. Some of it is also explained because she's she's probably still some still doing some padding. So I'm going to try to push her on that and just and just come clean here. But the good thing is we're she must be making to, some more cookies, getting them probably, ready for yes, you. Yes, yes, absolutely, and maybe even some zucchini bread to, to boot. But you know we're we're going to encourage her to hey, it's okay to go ahead and do more and spend more and. You know, she's only in her early 60s at this point. So, you know, whenever things do get back to some sense of normalcy and people are traveling again and, you know, she started with a point of probably disbelief and we're just you know building our relationship to, you know, where we are today. I mean, it's it's grown in, in so many ways, but, you know, she's she's been retired for a few years. She's seen that it's worked out. OK, now we've made it through this whole coronavirus situation, at least. 
I don't want to say we made it completely through. I mean, it's obviously still with us, but you know, we had a pretty conservative portfolio for her going into retirement because stock prices were arguably high, and and she, her portfolio had to do all the work because we were planning on taking Social Security later at age seventy. So for all these years, more than ten years, she had to live on her portfolio. So if we were overly aggressive coming into two thousand twenty and the coronavirus happened, rest assured, she would not have been feeling well in March. But um, the fact that we took the prudent processes and did the planning that we did, we reached out to Raquel and said, hey, you know, we've we've kind of played it a little bit closer to the vest. We've made it through a few of these years. We've got clear that, hey, you in fact padded the plan spending a little bit. So now that we're aware of that, when we re-look re at the numbers, we really think that you could go ahead and take a little bit more risk and do it in a prudent fashion. But stock prices went down a lot. Let's go ahead and increase risk a little bit. You're not putting any risk to your lifestyle, and you can probably end up doing a little bit more and having a little bit more safety margin to your plan. Do you want to go ahead and do that? And and she said yes. And so Raquel's uh, she's just a fantastic you know human being and, uh, and and a six foot tall blonde woman. In case I did say that before, but she's just a fantastic person, and uh, I'm very happy to be able to share her story and to work with her and. And help her, you know, kind of move on to this new phase of her life over the last few years and just see how happy she's become. I'm definitely going to uh, adopt her strategy, though, of bringing cookies to every confrontation from now on. So if I'm ever planning on getting in an argument or having to be hard on somebody or push back, I'm just going to offer a cookie right afterwards. All right, though, have a cookie. And then, you know, you, it, it's a nice reset to the conversation. I think that's awesome. Great visual there. And, you know, it's interesting to see someone retiring early, how it then does, despite all of the buffers that, uh, you know, she kind of built into the plan there, that always does kind of create some additional challenges for folks. And great example of how healthcare uh, issues and, and concerns also create different challenges for people and great way to kind of underscore that we're all different in the way that we get to retirement and approach it. And it always requires unique and customized solutions to figure out the problems. So always love stories that kind of highlight that fact and help us realize that there is no, hey, cookie cutter plan that kind of works for everybody. You kind of have to get that customization to make it work. So I love, love the story. The processes should be similar, but everybody's different. Everybody Everybody has different stuff. Everybody has different goals. Everybody has different feelings. Um, so, you know, you really have to understand the person, what's important to them. And then you really need to align all the things that they have and have accumulated to go ahead and help support, you know, who they are in the life that they want to have. But the process is similar, but it's, it, yeah, it's completely customizable. You know, having some sort of calculator online or something like that, or with your 401k about how much money you can have in retirement is one thing. But, you know, that's probably, you know, maybe five or 10% of the way there to go ahead and do an actual retirement plan. In my view, it's a good starting point. It's at least starts helping you maybe give you some feedback on how much you should be saving or how close you are to, to really kind of being where maybe you need to be. But her story illustrates, I mean, there's, you know, I remember her saying, she's like, you know, it's not like I have some big seven figure amount here. I mean, is my, is my situation really that complex? And I said, well, you know, in this case, I wouldn't say about complex, but I said, you know, here's really, and I walked through the different, you know, the three different time periods that I explained and some of the strategy and and, and how that's going to need to be different, as well as uh, describing some of the benefits like from the taxes and also how the investments had to be managed in order to go ahead and avail ourselves of those benefits. And she quickly saw that it was becoming in her mind quite complex. Now we do it every day of the week, maybe taking off Sundays, but most every day, this is the stuff that we do. So you kind of 
unconsciously become really competent at it over time. But it's it's new to her. And maybe that's why there's some disbelief up front too. But but everybody's different. I mean, it's our job to go ahead and and understand them and, and help them um, make the most of what they have and align their resources, but also help them make it clear and help them uh, see, you know, hey, does it make sense to work with us or not? You know, what am I going to be paying? What can I expect in terms of benefits? Some of them are very concrete, like the tax savings. Others just like the peace of mind that, frankly, that she probably has and her ability to retire way sooner than what she probably believed. I mean, you know, that's highly subjective and qualitative, and only she can put a value on that. But what we've been told over the years and working with people, those qualitative benefits are often the ones that are most valuable. And um, certainly being a numbers guy, I like the concrete ones and I, I'd love to help people get tax savings and you know make sure that they have a good, efficient portfolio and all that good stuff. But, um, but it's really the softer side of things that I think most people would say that matter the most to them. Very true. And if you want to find out a little bit more about what it looks like to get a financial plan in place that truly is customized to your individual goals, needs, and wants, encourage you as always to schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the True Wealth team by calling 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-893-7526. Or go online to truewealthdesign.com and click on the Are We Right For You button to schedule your call. Go to truewealthdesign.com and again, click on the Are We Right For You button. It's a great way to start the process and an easy way to do it as well. And we'll put links and information that you need to get in touch with Kevin and the team in the description of today's show to help you out. Well, Kevin, thank you for sharing that great story of uh, Raquel and uh, really enjoyed getting to learn some of those details and how you went about the planning process. And I know you'll have a great episode on tap for us next time around. I'll do my best. Thanks, Walter. Thanks, Kevin. That's Kevin Krosky. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.